All right, what's good, y'all? We're back with another episode this week of the Chop Pound Drop Round podcast, your daily dose of Panthers, Braves, and Carolina sport news. Um, again, I'm Zach Stanley. Kevin Bryant. And I guess today we're just going to start off by, you know, reviewing the Panthers game um, yesterday. Uh, real tough one to watch. Uh, you know, final score, 46-23. Um, looked like we were in it for, you know, most, if not all, of the first half had a lead for most of the game, but uh, could, couldn't come up and finish in the second half. That seems to be a trend that we keep falling into this year, um, just unable to close out and finish games. Uh, what, what I mean, what do you think about the game, Gavin? Abysmal. Uh, what <laughs> I could use to describe it. I think we had 30-something-odd yards total in the second half. Um, you know, the first half going into the, to the locker room tied at 17 – you gotta you gotta go in there like you know feeling good about yourself, feeling good about your chances to win the game, and then you know just absolutely. to come out and absolutely get blown out in the second half sucks, um, especially yeah. when you're playing so good. Um, really, there was nobody that played good yesterday. I mean, Teddy only had 130 something yards passing. Um, our defense played abysmal as always. You know, they gave up 200 yards rushing, um, a 98 yard touchdown run to Ronald Jones. That just can't happen, especially you know the the linebacking core is not what it was or what it has been these past few years. I mean, to hear Whitehead's just not, just yeah, not it. it. Um, yeah. He just, he just doesn't make the right reads, doesn't do the right things. And that's, that's what happens when you have a linebacker that's, that doesn't know what he's doing. You know, you give up 98 yards on a touchdown run, which yeah. happened in an NFL game. And I mean, I don't know if I was just missing it, but it didn't look like we were getting any, any pressure on Tom all game. And I mean, he's, a pocket quarterback, if you're going to let him sit in there three, four seconds, he's going to find a receiver to get the ball to. Um, yeah, we, I have, mean, he's, we have one sack. Yeah, I mean, he was spreading the ball out like crazy. I think he probably hit six or seven different receivers all game, in addition to, you know, um, Ronald Jones and Leonard Fournette out of the backfield. They both had decent days. Um, obviously, Ronald Jones had the bigger stat line just after busting that deep run off the two-yard line. But I don't know. I mean – I feel like our defense is really just where where it's crumbling because our offense, you know, doesn't even get two minutes off before the other team's going to run down the field and score, and then they got to come back out gassed. And I mean, especially with how speedy our wide receiver core is, I mean, if they don't have time to refuel on the sidelines, there's not much we can do. Especially with Christian out this week again, um, that that really hurt us. I think, you know, the I heard the announcer saying at one point in the game we're harder to play when we don't have Christian because it seems like we're always relying on Christian at some point. But at the same time, I mean, I think a lot of the thing with Christian is when you don't have another option, you can go to him as a dump off out of the backfield. And you can't really do that with Mike Davis. He's just not that versatile um, kind of player. So definitely interested to see if he's going to be back next week. I know I saw something where they were still questionable about him coming back for the Lions game. But at this point, I don't really think um hopeful um on this season I don't see us really you know going on a win streak and somehow finding a way to squeeze into the playoffs but you know I mean it's like we said last week they're still a pretty young team especially on the defensive side uh I mean what can you do yeah I mean that yesterday was just it was just bad I'm I'm interested to see how next week will go especially if we don't have Teddy either um yeah. Teddy didn't play a great game this week, but I mean, he's still, he's still our quarterback. 
Um, he's yeah. shown that he can show up and have big games like he did last week against the Chiefs. Um, but if he isn't playing this Sunday, I'm going to be interested in to see how uh, P.J. Walker does if he gets called upon or Will Greer if he gets called upon because they keep sort of switching out who's the backup quarterback every week. I don't know why. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think that's a good decision. I mean, you want to have one person in there that's playing the two every single week and that's getting snaps with the first team and the second team every right. week. Um, so if Teddy's out this week, then – it's going to be interesting. I like that whenever PJ came in the game this week, he came in throwing. And, I mean, he completed two passes. He only had four attempts. But, I mean, he looked loose in the pocket. He looked yeah. like he wanted to be there, like he knew what he was doing. So, if if Teddy's out this week, I mean, I have trust in PJ to uh, to step in and fill that role because we saw what he could do in the uh, XFL. I mean, it's not the same talent, but, I mean, you're still playing the same position. You know what you're yeah, doing. Sure. You're not going to play it. I think based on what we've seen of PJ so far, I mean, he's only come in for, you know, either burn minutes at the end of a game where we're getting blown out or, you know, Teddy getting hurt. That was back half of us getting our tails whooped. Uh, So I don't really think that his minutes so far have shown what he's capable of by that point. I think, you know, the receivers are kind of checked out. They know that the game's over. Um, O-line's kind of, you know, done trying to protect the quarterback at that point because you're down 23. But, I mean, like you say, he he showed up in the XFL a lot. Um, and it, if he does start, it'll be interesting to see if he can set the tone early and kind of gain his footing. Um, will Greer, I'll, I will I will say I'm probably not as fond of uh, the few games he played last year or made an appearance in. I just didn't see him really being able to have the composure that you need in the pocket at the, you know, the next level. But – I mean, that's not my my decision. I guess we'll see what um, rule and the coaching staff really comes to decide. And, um, you know, from there we'll get to watch what happens. I think I think another big thing that a lot of a lot of fans are talking about right now is is Marty Herney. Yeah. Well, what needs to happen with him? And I mean, I've I've been a very non supporter of him because, you know, his first tenure here, you know, he didn't. He didn't draft super well, and he always paid old aging players huge contracts that put us in cap space disaster. So I think I think if Tepper's truly wanting to build a team, wanting to build a contender, wanting to build someone that can, you know, run the NFL, um, it starts with getting rid of Herney because yeah. I think right now he's he's one of our biggest crutches. I don't think he does what he needs to do in the offseason in order to improve the team. I mean, his, his drafting the past few years hasn't been bad, but, I mean, it's not hard to – to pick a player when you're drafting in the top 10 every single year. I mean, yeah, the first players that come off the board are players that are more than likely with the exception of a few going to be good every down players in the NFL. So I think, I think it needs to start with him, him leaving. Mm-hmm. I think we made a terrible decision keeping Kim over Brandon yeah. in the first place, but I don't know. He needs to either, he needs to be gone or he just needs to start actually making good solid improvements to the team. Well, and I think, this year's draft class, I mean, I, I've been pretty pleased with so far. They weren't – I mean, they haven't really, you know, contributed to success in in a large scale. But individually, they've shown – all shown flashes of, um, you know, their talent that they have. But I think this past draft class was a lot more influenced by Matt Rule and who he saw. Um, and I think his, you know, experience at the collegiate level – is going to make it easier for him to give input on, you know, who could fit his system. Uh, and for that, I mean, I don't really think Marty Herney is even 
um, worth holding the position anymore because for a while there, I think he was kind of just the guy that was going behind the scenes and doing all the scouting. But, I mean, you got Joe Brady and Matt Rule now who have both been there. They they know what they like in a player um, and the type of guys that they like to coach, especially coming out of college. So I think that's a huge thing to look at as well. Um, you know, for so long, Marty Herney seemed to be like the only guy that was um, finding decent decent players out of college. But now there's so many people that have been there um, and know what to look for that um, I think it's time to move on. And especially with management and stuff like that at the professional level, I've always been a supporter of, you know, starting to rebuild from the top to the bottom. Um, I think you get rid of the big guys first, see how that works out. Um, because re rebuilding a coaching staff is never, you know, the best option. It takes years for them to get enough flow and uh, build some chemistry with the players. So, um, I mean, I'm, I'm with you on that one. I think Marty Herney needs to go. Uh, it's just one guy in a big pool of players and management that's really not going to make that much, much of an impact. So, at this point, I say hell with him. Um, let's find somebody else and see what – I mean, it can't get any worse at this point. So, yeah, and I think – there's there's a lot of there's a big difference between because Marty Herney was brought in, you know, once we fired Gettleman sort of to be that interim guy that sort of bridges the like connection between the, the old GM and the new GM. He wasn't supposed yeah. to be here on a permanent basis, but I think when the team got sold and everything, you know, Tepper came in, Herney had been with the team, you know, he he was comfortable with the team. He knew what was going on. He knew what was happening. So Tepper was just like, you know, let's keep him, see what happens. But I think it's gotten to the point now. I mean, Tepper's on the team for three years now. Um, yep. That it's it's time for him. It's time for him to go, especially because Tepper's always talking about, you know, like he wants to build a Super Bowl contending team. And I think with uh, Herney at the helm, it's it's just not going to happen. And it, I think it's proven itself over the past the past few years. And I think that's like one of the big things that people hated about Gettleman was Gettleman made those decisions that were going to make the team better. Even yeah. if, you know, it meant cutting a veteran player like Thomas Davis or someone that's aging, like that, that has to happen at some point. I mean, you can't keep people around forever that are 38, 39 years old playing yeah. vital positions. Football's its own kind of sport in that respect. You can't just have a franchise player that plays their whole career. It's hard to find. Um, and I mean, we saw that with Julius Peppers and Steve Smith. I mean, they probably they probably could have lasted a couple more years, but he saved a lot of cap cap space by letting him go, um, and then brought him brought at least Julius back for a couple years at the end of his career just to you know um, kind of rebuild that connection. But I I don't know. I just don't see the the purpose in keeping him around anymore. Really. Yeah, uh, I I don't. It feels like he hurts us more than he helps us a lot of the time, and. I mean, as many as many people have we've seen go in the last two three years, it's not going to hurt my feelings to see somebody else leave. Yeah. Uh, so at this point, I think you just you just take that chance, um, and hope hope something works itself out, and you know rebuild from there. Yeah, I mean, I was always a big big Brandon Bean, Sean McDermott kind yeah. of guy. I mean, I thought I thought McDermott should have taken the reins from Rivera sooner. I think if I think Rivera should have gotten fired sooner, and I think McDermott should have took that team over when he was the defensive coordinator, and I think that Brandon Bean should have been the general manager. And we've seen what they've done in Buffalo. They built a team that goes out there every week and competes. competes every single week, no matter who they're playing, and they've built a good, strong team. And I mean, that's what that's what you need. Uh, Buffalo will be contenders, you know, in this league for years oh, wow. to come because of what yeah. McDermott and Bean have built 
up there. I mean, I know people like to call them the Carolina of the North, but they're a lot. I mean, and it really makes you wonder. I mean, they do have a lot of players that have either been in Carolina or have some connection to Carolina. And if they're able to do it in Buffalo, why, why weren't we able to do it in Carolina? And I mean, I think that the only logical answer is management. I mean, McDermott is a very capable head coach and Brandon Bean is a very capable general manager and they're doing what we couldn't with the players that we gave them. Um, so, I mean, that just, that should be a reflection of our own mistakes as an organization and just goes to show that, you know, it, it can start there in terms of success. It's not, it's not always about the players on your roster, but kind of the way you operate. So we'll see. Yeah. Um, also, I um, saw South Carolina fired their head coach and Joe Brady's name kept popping up for that head coaching position. Yeah. And that would be a tremendous blow if he comes yeah. in for one year and leaves. Because, I mean, even though we've only won three games, we've saw flashes of what his offense is and his offense is great. His system yeah. is great. Yeah. So losing him to, a, especially to a college job would be detrimental, I think, to our offense, yeah. especially having to find somebody to replace him. But um, hopefully, you know, he, he realizes that if, he, you know, he stays in Carolina for another year or two and keeps continuing to show what his offense is capable of, I would rather him get a head coaching job than a college job. Yeah, Because absolutely. I would lose him to the college ranks because that sort of kind of sucks. So hopefully, yeah. you know, that doesn't happen in the future. So yeah, we'll sure. see. Yeah, I mean, just bouncing off that, I'm, I think the one thing that I've kind of enjoyed despite the constant losses is how creative his play calling has been. Uh, there have been a lot of times where I'll, I'll be looking around trying to figure out where we're even going with the ball because he's got so many players moving at once. And, I mean, when Cam was in Carolina, it was always kind of like a Cam Newton show. I mean, I loved him to death, but it always seemed like it, we were kind of playing off him. And now, even with Christian and, you know, the wide receiver core we have, I, I never really know where the ball is going to go. It can be a, like Curtis end around. Um, it, it's just a different – it's a different style of play than I'm used to seeing, especially with the Panthers. And I would, I would hate to see that come in for one year and then go back to what we were used to um, because I think the, the play style they're using right now is a lot more entertaining um, and a lot more exciting than what we're used to, so – like you said, definitely be a big blow. Um, and as, as much as I like watching him coach, I don't think it's out of the question for him to leave. Uh, I mean, I, I could definitely see it happening. And I've even seen some um, outlets talking about him possibly getting a head coaching job in the NFL after this year. So it's just – one of those things you have to cross your fingers and hope that he's going to stick around for at least another year or two to where our offense can kind of get their footing and um, establish some sort of chemistry and uh, production before he's gone. Well, there wasn't much to talk about with the Panthers this week, you know, another, another loss, just another week in the life of a Panthers. Yeah. Um, but the Braves, we have an MVP for the first time since oh. Chipper. And I was, I was going to be upset if he lost because he 100% deserved it. Yeah. I mean, he was first in how many categories, like six or seven. And then yeah. the other major categories, he either fell second or third. Um, 
So I mean, you I mean you can't really deny an MVP to a player that's that dominant, especially in such an unusual season. And I think one thing that a lot of people overlook is the the fact that he just a couple weeks prior to the start of the season he had COVID. I mean, he was diagnosed and still you know was training and trying to get ready for the season, and obviously it worked. Um, I mean, he was somehow the glue that held our team together, even though Marcel looked like the better player at the plate at times. Um, I think that was probably because Marcel's just a big bat and he's easy to watch and exciting to watch when he's um, hitting home runs. But I mean, Freddie, every time he went up to the plate, you know, I mean, you had hope that something could happen. I mean, I, even thinking back to that Dodger series um, when we were slumping as a whole team, when he'd go up to bat, I mean, I always, always was thinking that, you know, a home run or a double off the wall was not out of the question. Uh, he just always is so zoned in and um, so productive at the plate. So definitely good to see him win that. I think that's something that a lot of Braves fans have been waiting for. He's been in the talks for a couple years now. Um, and he's he's a lot like Chipper in the sense that he's probably going to be the face that um, people remember from the 2010 and possibly 2020s teams if we're being honest hopefully they resign him uh, after his contract comes up because I definitely do not want to see him play on somebody else and um wreck us but yeah no yeah I mean he he deserved it um and he did it in a convincing fashion he got 28 out of the 31st place votes I don't know what the other two people were thinking (laughs) but um you know like without without Freddie I don't think the Braves team makes it to the NLCS at all um, yeah. you know, even though we have Ronald, we have Ozzy, we have Marcel. If you don't have Freddie coming up to bat third every single time and playing first base, that Braves team might not even win the NL East. Yeah. He just did so much for us um this year. So hopefully, you know, like he can go in the next season, you know, playing just as well, look to defend it, you know, get back to back, do what um Dale Murphy did. Yep. So hopefully that happens um we'll see but I was excited for him I was happy yeah deserved it absolutely and I think even if um you know he doesn't bounce back and have as good of a year next year there's I mean there's several players on that team that are have the potential to be an MVP talks regardless I mean Ronald was MVP talks last year um I think with a you know full length season again he's probably going to be on that um stolen base chase again uh and I don't think he really ever got in his groove this year I think the shortened season kind of um threw him off and he wasn't able to really establish um the swing that he's always been so powerful with but um yeah I mean like you say Freddie could definitely come back definitely win a second MVP even if not next year I mean I don't think he's even close to the end of his career I think he's probably got you know five six good years left in him uh, you know, you hate to think about it, but the only thing I could imagine that would stop him would be an injury. Uh, we'll see. But, yeah, again, just really exciting, especially not just it being Freddie, but just to have an MVP in Atlanta period um, makes makes me real hopeful for the next few seasons. And I think he's, he's going to be that veteran leadership now that the team needs going forward. Just hopefully uh, we'll see them step into a World Series soon so that they get all the experience they need for future playoff runs. Um, and that's, that's all I really have to say about that. 
Yeah, so we also made our first free agent signing of the winter, whatever you want to call it now. Um, Drew Smiley, a left-handed starting pitcher, um, $11 million a year. I don't really know about that, or for a year. Um, I mean, the Giants were only offering him, I think I saw, 4 or $5 million. So, might have overpaid a little bit, but, you know, he's a veteran arm, which he will probably be what we thought we were getting in Cole Hamels. Um mm-hmm. I'm not sure, but I haven't really looked at his numbers or anything like that yet, um, just because, I mean, it happened today. So, yeah. but, I mean, hopefully, you know, he can he can step in and do what Hamels was supposed to next year and, you know, just provide us a consistent arm on the third or fourth day out. Yeah. Well, I saw I saw something today that actually kind of made me think about it, and um, it might seem like we're overpaying, but at the same time, if we're willing to drop that much money on a, you know, pitcher that's not – that big of a high profile it makes me comfortable in the fact that we might have more money to spend than we think um and that might allow us to go out and get somebody like trevor bauer uh so even if we're overspending on him it i mean it could be a sign that we've got more money in the bank than we realize and if we can build up the pitching staff a little more and maybe it's you know sign a piece or two for the lineup uh there's no doubt in my mind that They'll they'll either either go to the championship series or be in the World Series next year. Yeah, I think um I think now honestly with that signing, you know, signing another starting pitcher, I think uh Trevor Bauer's probably out of the question. Um I think they're probably really gonna focus now on lineup and bullpen help because yeah. I mean you still wanna re-sign Marcel, um, which hopefully we can do. Um I'm actually hoping for the NL permanent DH. So we don't have to play him in the field. Um, You have to get someone to replace Nick because that's just, it's not, it's not going to work. Yeah. can't work out anymore. We can't keep having him eating up the spot in our lineup, you know, where he's only getting singles or he's striking out. Um, But I'm, I'm hopeful for next year. Um, Hopefully we can replicate the success we had this year. You know, you just got to sustain it over 162 game season, which is we played 60 games this year. So, um, I know it's probably going to be us and the Dodgers again, which is scary probably. <laughs> because I hate I hate the Dodgers with everything, and they always seem to have our number. But um, we have a lot to look forward to. Uh, obviously, we'll talk more about the Braves once um, you know they continue to make signings and you know it starts getting closer to the season. But right now, there's really not even that much to talk about um, yeah. besides those two things. So, on to a little bit of Carolina football. <laughs> Crazy thing. Great game. They they know how to make it interesting, and that's that's all I'll say. Um, I mean, last week we talked about how we thought Wake was probably going to be an easy go getter game, um, but second and third quarter it looked like they were just not going to let off the gas, and we I I mean for the most of the game I I thought we were going to lose, um, but Sam Howell has proved time and time again this year that he is a fourth quarter quarterback. I mean, this man consistently throws dimes to Daz, Diami, whoever, when we're down and it's a time crunch. And I don't know if he likes playing under pressure um, or if he's just naturally good in the fourth quarter. Uh, but by God, he went he went off. And I, I think at this point, this might be a little too, little too mixing of um, our subjects here, but I would not be opposed to 
Panthers blow in the season next year and picking up Sam as a franchise quarterback. I think it'd be sick to see, um, you know, a kid fresh out of Charlotte playing for the Panthers. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I've I've really grown to like Sam a lot these past couple of years, and I think he just keeps proving that he's capable of um, leading this team to hopefully a college football playoff next year. Um, we'll see. Uh, it seems like there's just a few missing pieces. Our defense has been banged up a little bit this year, so that's definitely hurting us. But yeah, I was I was utterly impressed by his performance on Saturday. Yeah, me too. I mean, he was 30 yards away from breaking Deshaun Watson's record for most passing guards in a game. He broke UNC's record for most passing guards in a game. Um, passing marks, six touchdowns, yep. a rushing touchdown. He yeah. just I mean, he, might have been the best game I've ever seen him play. Yeah, he can, and he, I mean, he he can just do it all. Uh, I think that's what's scary about him is he's he's good through the air, but he knows when to use his legs too. Um, he kind of reminds me of not not to the same degree, but the pocket presence of like a Mahomes, where he's usually pretty aware of um, a pocket collapse and can can scramble long long enough to get a throw off. Uh, so I mean. His his ceiling, I think, is a lot higher than what we're seeing right now, to be honest with you. I think he's got potential to be even better than um, how he's played so far. But, I mean, to think that he could even top the game against Wake is ridiculous. Yeah, that was – it was fun but stressful at the same time. You know, our defense needs to, to clean some things up. Um, I mean, giving up 430 yards passing and 100-and-something yards rushing is not good. But, you know, when you have an offense like that, I guess it doesn't really matter. You just can't get down into those 21-point holes like, you know, we did against Wake, we did against Florida State, we did against Virginia. Yeah. So, you know, hopefully they they figured the defense out. They got a bye week this week um, before a big game against Notre Dame. So, you know, hopefully they figured that out because if Notre Dame loses this week and we – ACC is still open. Um, even though it's a long shot for, for a national college football playoff, but it's possible one, one, one step at a time, you know, you got to get to the ACC championship where you can get to the college football playoff. So hopefully we, um, come out not this Saturday, but next Saturday firing because Notre Dame is going to be tough or next Friday and they're a good team. They're probably, it's probably the best team I've seen Notre Dame have in years, I mean, everybody always hypes them up, and then they always get blown out by Clemson or someone else. But I mean, they went played Clemson. I mean, I know with Clemson didn't have Sam or not Sam Howell, um, Trevor Lawrence. Uh, get my quarterback <laughs> up, but Clemson didn't have Trevor Lawrence. But I mean, they still have a five-star quarterback that's stepping in and playing lights out, and Clemson still or Notre Dame still beat them. So it's gonna be a big game. Um, you know, just. We just got to keep the foot on the gas because that's what we seem to do way too often is take it off and not let our offense explode like it can. Yeah. Well, I mean, outside of Sam Howell, um, he won ACC quarterback of the week. You had Michael Carter um, who got co-ACC running back of the week. And then Daz with ACC receiver of the week. I mean, when your offense is that firepowered, um, you know, Michael Carter had 74 yards, on the ground, 55 yards in the air and a touchdown. Uh, Daz had 180 yards plus, two touchdowns, and then Diami had another two touchdowns with 150 plus yards. 
that's that signals to me that this team could could potentially make a little bit of a run here at the end of the year. I mean, when you've got that many options and that much talent on the same team, uh, at least offensively, you, you've you've got you've got what it takes. The the big question again for me is is just can the defense stop somebody like Notre Dame? Can they stop somebody like Clemson? Um, and I really I really don't think at this point they're they're capable of that. But like you say, um, they've got two weeks to prep for Notre Dame, and I think that if they can sit down and watch film and kind of figure out the schemes that Notre Dame tends to run and what they like to call, um, and you know somebody like Chaz is calling out, um, you know, the reads and filling in the defense. Anything could happen uh, when we play Notre Dame. And I don't necessarily see um, an ACC championship as being like a give me. But if we take Notre Dame and we, I mean, we prove that we can play with anybody in the ACC but at that point, uh, it's, it's definitely a possibility. And seeing us play in the ACC championship would be something that we've been missing out on for way too many years. Um, I mean, the last time was what, Mitch, 2015? Yeah, or no, that was Marquise, Marquise. Yeah, Marquise, yeah. Against uh, where we got screwed. Yeah, where we got absolutely screwed. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I mean, obviously, if we're talking about player of the game, who's it going to? Sam, obviously. There's there's, no, there's nobody else that would go to. Um, but, uh, yeah, and I think we – um, I mean, we're, what, six and two now? Uh, I think we got screwed out of the top 25 this week. Absolutely. Um, there's no reason whoever got it over us should have got it. I don't remember even remember who it was. But um, definitely got screwed out of the top 25 this week. Um, hopefully, you know, after we beat Notre Dame, because we're going to, um, we'll get back in there, you know, try to jump up a little bit, make some strides before the AC Championship. So you got to hope Notre Dame loses another one or loses one and we beat them or Clemson loses another one because, you know, I mean, it goes to the two best teams with the best records. So you never know what can happen in the ACC. Things get weird a lot of times. That's very true. Very true. <laughs> Hopefully, you know, we, uh, we can make it to the AC championship and win one. I mean, the college football playoffs, obviously probably out of reach this year with two yeah. losses, but an AC championship's goody too. So and it'd be a lot to build on for next year. I'll, I'll take whatever we can get. At this point, me too. <laughs> All right, well, you got anything left on the topic of UNC football? I don't think so. There's not not even really a lot to talk about this week, you know. Panthers no. sucked. Carolina was yeah, good. Panthers were terrible. Yeah. So. Pretty dry week, I guess. I mean, the only real thing we have to talk about with um, basketball season coming up, schedule got released. Um, so, you know, we've seen – We've seen who we're gonna play. Obviously, you know, we got the two games against Duke, two game two games against State. Um we're playing Miami. Are we playing Miami at home this year or is it away? Home. Home. Miami's always a very entertaining game for some reason, regardless of how good they are. I was at a freshman year when we went to overtime and they had yep. no business even being in that game with us. Yep. But no, um looking at the schedule, I mean First game, the 25th, call to Charleston, and then we go straight into the Maui, um, UNLV, and then 
I'm pretty sure that's the play, like the the before game, and yeah. then we'll play Alabama or Stanford. So, you know, hopefully we can win it. I mean, I don't think there's a lot of great teams in it this year. Yeah. Um, let me see if I can see who's in it. Uh, let's see. I mean, Alabama, Davidson, Indiana, us, Providence, Stanford, Texas, and UNLV. So, I mean, some old yes, that's definitely a winnable, winnable um, little tournament there. Uh, yeah, but we always, I mean, we always struggle with Texas having yeah, that the year. But, uh, I mean, it's just one of those teams always seems to have us down to a T. Uh, I don't know. That'll be, that'll be a really good, um, you know, way to kickstart the season to see how we come out and play against teams like that. Obviously, there's nobody in there that's, you know, supposed to be great this year. Um, I think a few of them might be ranked in the top 10, 15, but it's not like we're playing a top five team in there. Uh, I well, think we will be. You know, we got Iowa at Iowa in the ACC or Big Ten Challenge, and they're well, yeah, yeah. five. Yeah. I'm talking about Maui-wise, though. Yeah. Um, I don't think anybody is ranked that's playing in the Maui. It's Texas is 19th. Yeah. So that's the only team that's uh, ranked. But, you know, I mean, playing them, they're ranked. Um, if we play them, they're ranked. And then we got Iowa in the ACC Big Ten, number five in the country. And then we have Ohio State, who absolutely – Last year was off of us last God destroyed us. Um, and we got them in the sports classic again. So that's going to be an interesting game. And then we get in the ACC play, yep. which is going to be tough this year. Yeah, the ACC is looking really, really strong this year. I mean, as always, they're the best basketball conference in the country. If you disagree with me, then you don't have to listen to this podcast. So I'm right. I know I am. Uh, I mean, always, you got Duke up top. Carolina's always competing, and then, you know, you never know with teams like State. They always seem to upset somebody in top ten every year. Yeah, I mean, um, and you still got you still got Virginia and their suffocating defense that yeah. struggles so beating a basketball team to watch in the country. Yeah, man. Boring game. I don't know how anybody can watch a team that scores 50 points a game. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't really understand it, but, I mean, they won national championships, then you can't really complain. So um, this season's definitely going to be interesting. Um, you know, like we said last week, you know, we just need to have our new additions show up and, and play well, which I think they will. Yeah. Hopefully we'll get a we'll get a good sense in that tournament, you know, when you face some – no offense to College of Charleston, but when we actually face some real competition. Yeah. So now I'm going to say that and they're going to come out and somehow beat us. <laughs> but we'll see what happens. Um, it's going to be an interesting year for sure, especially with COVID – and yeah. everything that's going on, you know, like how they're going to do March Madness. Well, I don't know if you saw today, but apparently um, they're talking about trying to do all of March Madness in one location. So as of right now, I think they're t the talks are to do it all in Indianapolis, where the Final Four was going to be, just so that they can limit the spread. And I don't – I'm not really fond of that because I think one thing that always helps UNC early in the tournament to kind of, um, you know, start rolling pretty heavy is that they tend to play in Greensboro. Um, and there's a lot of home fans that show up to those games, almost, almost exclusively Carolina fans, if we're being honest. And if you can start the tournament and 
win a few games there, um, and that's huge. Uh, I mean, obviously, this is all unprecedented and kind of rolling with the punches here, but it'll be interesting to see how the tournament plays out, especially if that is what they decide to do. Um, I mean, if we go to the Final Four, I'm going to tell you I'll be flying to Indianapolis. But No, we can just road trip there, so <laughs> – no, yeah, it is. It is definitely gonna be interesting. I saw I saw Rick Pitino, who is now the coach at Iona, yeah, said that um, they needed to push the start back and make it May Madness. But I don't really know what's gonna be different from two months. But yeah. the the thing about having it all in one place is how many games are you gonna to get to play a day? How long exactly. does the tournament take? Yeah. You know, I mean, when you have sixty four teams and you're playing thirty two games you got to play all those games and they usually play them in what, two or three days. Yeah. So you can't do that when you're playing in one location. I mean, yeah, it's going to spread the tournament out way too deep. I mean, I, I guess the only way I could you know, sort of justify it is if they spread it all around Indiana, you know, at different yeah, colleges. If you're playing, if you're playing, playing yeah, exactly. IU, you know, Iowa State, Iowa, not Iowa. Yeah. I'm not talking about Iowa. Um, <laughs> Indiana. <laughs> and different places around there. But yeah. I'm sure that they don't want to play all their games in an empty football stadium. Oh, absolutely not. Because that's lonesome. Yeah. So. I mean, I, I, and I think another thing you have to worry about is if they actually follow through with that plan. I mean, basketball is such a, you know, high energy, high frequency sport. Um, the only way that you can really continue to, win games is if you don't have too many days off. I think basketball is probably one of the sports where rest kind of hurts um, more than others just because, you know, it, it you're able to flow in the game better when you can get out on the court and um, just continue stroking and shooting the ball and um, competing. So I think that would, that would be another red flag in my eyes. Um, and if, if you look at it that way, then, it really begs the question, or is the best team in basketball really going to win the national championship, or is it just going to be who comes out and plays the best that day, or who's who's played most recently, um, stuff like that. So, I don't know. Uh, I mean, it's still still a little, little bit of a ways to go. Um, you know, there's no guarantee that we even make the tournament as, as evidenced by last year. So, a little too early to get our hopes up for that. But, um, I mean, we're only a week and a half out. Um, so I'm, I'm pumped. I'm excited. Ready to see what Roy's got in store for this year, how the freshmen are going to show out, um, and see how guys like Garrison and Armando are going to come back and play this year. So, um, I mean, like you say about every other team on our podcast, a lot to look forward to. <laughs> um, it'll be, it'll be an exciting year, I think. And, uh, we'll, we'll see how it pans out. Yeah, and, and um, going off your point of, you know, teams coming out and especially basketball, you know, like playing those games every couple of days, you know, if you get in a hot streak. I mean, we've seen that happen. It happens all the time in the ACC tournament. Oh, yeah. Someone that shouldn't make a run makes a run. I mean, we saw it happen with UConn with Kimball Walker and Shabazz Napier, you know, yeah. teams that were not supposed to win the national championship. But, you know, when they got to March, they were playing good. And, yeah. you know, they were playing every couple of days and they were just – continuing to do what they've been doing and they came out and won the tournament. So it is going to be interesting this year. Um, I'll be very interested in seeing how they do it just because I don't, I don't think it's possible 
especially with 62 teams, 64 teams. Yeah. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. But, um, you know, I'm, I'm excited. I'm ready for basketball to be back. It's been too long. Hopefully we don't suck again. For sure. Because that's one of the most draining things as a UNC basketball fan is having to go through a sucky football season and then going through a sucky basketball season. Yeah. That's not supposed to happen. So, you know, I'm, I'm excited. So we'll see what happens. Yep, definitely, definitely an exciting year for UNC. Um, you know, football's shown up more than a lot of people expected them to. So even if basketball is a little bit of a disappointment, um, you know, we had, we've had one good sports um, season so far. Um, let's just hope we can keep that momentum going in basketball and uh, make a little, little tournament run uh, come March or May, whichever it is. Yep. Well, uh, sorry it's a little bland this week. Not much to talk about. You know, baseball season's kind of boring right now. Just <laughs> nothing going on. Um, yeah. But, uh, next week and the next week, you know, I mean, we got another Panthers game next week. Another – well, UNC is going to be on a bye. Yeah, it's going to be a short one next week. Next week. <laughs> um, but then after that, you know, UNC basketball starts up. UNC plays Notre Dame. And then, you know, we got another Panthers game. So, we'll have a lot to talk about in the coming weeks. So, um, as always, you know, this podcast is brought to you by SportsMe. Um, download the app, Google Play Store, um, Apple Store, you know, just go on there, put a little video up about any sports topic and, uh, you know, battle people, get points and and win. So, um, thank you guys and for listening. If you download the app, be sure to follow us too, um, at Chop Pound Jump Around. Uh, we'll be posting a couple topics every week that you guys can chime in on and kind of Give us your input on what we've discussed. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, like Gavin says, uh, download Sports Me. Uh, that's all we got for today. Next week will probably be kind of short. Um, so if you can block some time out to listen to that, please do. Uh, but we'll, we'll catch you next Sunday or Monday. All right, see you all.